A new police training program is underway in Chicago and is drawing from successes in departments in other major cities like New York and L.A. The Policing Leadership Academy will focus on just that, training police leaders and supervisors. But even though it's here in Chicago, the lesson plan won't be based on practices within the Chicago Police Department. As the Academy welcomes its first cohort, we turn to the folks who helped set it up. Rosanna Ander is the executive director of UChicago's Crime Lab. Hi, Rosanna. Welcome to Reset. Thanks so much for having me. Kenneth Corey is the former chief of department for the NYPD and the current director of outreach at UChicago's Policing Leadership Academy. Welcome, Chief Corey. Uh, thank you very much. Also with us, Charlie Beck, former L.A. police chief and former interim Chicago police superintendent from December 2019 to April 2020. Welcome to Reset. Thank you, Sasha. So, Rosanna, I'll start with you. Can you tell us a little bit more? What is this Police Leadership Academy? Great. Well, you know, we recognize that uh, our country really has gone through some enormous challenges over the last several years. And and in many ways, there aren't they aren't new challenges. We had this enormous surge in gun violence, not just in Chicago, but in cities around the country, red cities and blue cities, red states and blue states. Um, At the same time, a crisis of legitimacy in government, but especially within policing. And so we recognized that as a research institution that spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to improve safety, justice, and fairness um, and reduce gun violence, that we really needed to you know, come to the table and offer something uh, pretty robust to help uh, our, our country through this crisis. And we saw that good police leadership can make an enormous difference, and not in the way that people might think. Um, you can do it without necessarily increasing arrests without increasing the sort of hands-on, heavy-handed tactics that people often think of. And we want to make sure that mid-level managers in police departments across our country who are leaders in the communities that are facing the burdens of gun violence have the best leaders possible to do that. Yeah. Let's talk more about that, Chief Corey. Why is the Academy focused on, as Rosanna put it, mid-level managers, right? These rising police leaders instead of, say, top cops in in departments like the superintendents, et cetera? So it's really an area in policing that hasn't been invested in. And those mid-level managers, well, you may think of them as mid-level managers in a big city like New York, Chicago, L.A., and many others, they are, for all intents and purposes, the chief of police in that neighborhood. You know, Chicago, you have districts. New York City, we have precincts. So a precinct commander... A district commander, and particularly in a, in a violent district, uh, which is the group that we're targeting in this first cohort, is probably overseeing somewhere between 150 and 300 officers. Wow. That's a police department in an American city. And that's middle management. That is middle management. And in most cases, they received no preparation for that role. So this goes beyond training, what we're doing here. This is really education that we're providing them with. We're not just teaching them a skill that they can learn to, you know, repeat, repeat, repeat. We really want to expand their minds, get them thinking. Um, and, and then I believe, and, and I know the team believes, that this is where you get the greatest impact in policing very, very quickly. That when you can get that individual, that district commander, uh, you know, the skills, the mindset that they need and allow them then to impart that to their officers, drive that down to those officers on the beat in the patrol car. That's when you're going to really see a quick change in policing. So, Chief Beck, you were part of designing the academy program, right? So is, is there an example that you could give from L.A. or from here in Chicago of reforms that succeeded or that failed simply because of the quality of middle management in the police department? 
Sure. In, in uh, Los Angeles, uh, one of the most violent neighborhoods is in South Los Angeles, and it's called Watts, and, and has historically led the city in, in, uh, in gun violence in particular. I think it, at its height, uh, nine square miles had over 150 people killed in a year. So very, very deadly area. And when I first began to work with violence intervention groups, uh, we wanted to expand that practice into Watts. And so I brought in the, the commander there, his name was Phil Tingarides, and talked to him about building partnerships with Community Violence Intervention Group and also with investing uh, additional police officers, which I, which I gave to him, uh, as long-term uh, community builders. Right. And in an amazing amount of time, an amazingly short amount of time, uh, he was able to not only improve the community's perception of the police department, but also almost eliminate homicides from the housing developments. And, and this was by investing in those neighborhoods with police resources to make them healthier. In other words, to make sure that uh, kids got to school, to make sure that businesses were free from um, being extorted, to make sure that, uh, that people felt comfortable coming out of their yards. And, and their mandate was not to make arrests, not at all. Their yeah. mandate was to build community. And that was through empowering a mid-level commander. And that's, that's Chicago's issue with its homicide clearance rate. And what hasn't been mentioned is, is the, the, the companion program to the police leadership is community, community violence intervention training. The, those cohorts are, are going on at the same time, and, and eventually those groups will come together and, and we will, we will create a group of middle managers that believes in this model that I firmly believe in, in reducing violence in our toughest neighborhoods, not just in Chicago, yeah. not just in L.A., you know, and not just in New York, but anywhere in the United States. And, and hopefully it'll be just as effective in Wichita as it, as it is here. So, Rosanna, UChicago's Crime Lab uses data to, to study crime reduction efforts, and it was behind the creation of this Police Leadership Academy. Because, I mean, your academy is going to focus on using data and behavioral science so what does that mean exactly, and, and how is it different from how police leaders are trained now? Yeah, I think we don't do a good job, I, I would argue, in this country training on, on much of anything. We, we underinvest in training writ large for police. We're asking them to do an incredibly complex job uh, and providing precious little um, investment in their human capital. But I think particularly the, the thing that is uh, the most important tool that uh, anyone in policing has, from a frontline officer up to a chief, uh, is a tool that we train the least on, and, and that is really their mouth. How do they communicate? How do they I- engage mm. with the, their, their constituents, whether it's inside the department or the residents that they're supposed to serve and protect? And so this is really about helping them develop the skills that they need to be effective leaders in their community and in their organization and helping them really understand how to make better decisions, how to use data to inform their decisions, how to hold themselves and their officers accountable for the right kinds of activity and outcomes and yeah. not just the things that we're used to measuring like arrest. You know, who cares how many arrests we're making if we're not actually making the community healthier and safer? Chief Corey, help us understand this. The police superintendent or, or the mayor or, or the public recognizes the police department has to treat residents of color more fairly. How does police leadership, whether it's a captain or it's a commander, how do they put that into action? Like, what is their role 
in trying to improve the way that cops on the street are policing? Well, first of all, it's pushing that message down, right? The, the most important thing in all interactions with police is that everyone is treated with dignity and respect, period. It doesn't matter what neighborhood you're in. It doesn't matter what your background is. We treat everyone with dignity and respect. How do you enforce that? And again, this is what's lacking in, you know, I think part of the question you asked Rosanna a moment ago was, you know, what training do they get now? And, and they don't get any. You know, maybe they got some additional training when they got promoted to sergeant. But even that generally focuses on, you know, policy, procedure, law, things like that. What we're doing here is we're teaching them strategic thinking. We're teaching them about emotional intelligence. Um, You know, we're teaching them about officer wellness, (laughs) right? How do you... That's not easy to teach. No, but now when you you think about it, and a different generation, so Chief Beck and I, our generation, it was basically, yeah, suck it up, go back to work, right? We recognize that that doesn't work. You know, we, we talk all the time about vicarious trauma and, and the impact of vicarious trauma on members of the community, and yet police probably experience more vicarious trauma on a regular basis. You know, they're exposed to more trauma on a regular basis than just about anybody else. And yet, for decades, n- there were no services available to them at all to, to help them manage that trauma. So now you've got an officer, for example, that, that just, uh, you know, and, and maybe it's a, a vehicle collision and a small child was seriously injured or killed and they, they were dealing with that. And then 10 minutes later, you're sent in to respond to a domestic dispute. You know, their mind isn't there, right? They shouldn't be doing that. And the commander has to recognize that and be able to, to, to get them the help they need to, to be able to assess their condition. Um, that's all part of, of how we, we police and reduce harm in the community. But we also reduce harm to the police officers at the same time. Yeah. Chief Beck, let's talk about your, your time, you know, at leading the Chicago Police Department. What would you say are the top lessons that CPD leadership, current CPD leadership can learn? How would they benefit from this program? So there's a couple of things. Um, First, I think that being exposed to other departments is really important for CPD. Uh, CPD is is kind of an island unto itself, partially because it's so much the biggest city in Illinois and doesn't have a lot of influence from, from the outside. Um, so I think that it's really important that the, that they be exposed to the way other departments do things, uh, particularly uh, as it is concerning the way the department's structured. I, I think the, the structure of CPD is far too centralized. I think that it needs to be more dispersed into the districts so that the district commanders, who are the people we're training, by the way, have more resources. There is nothing more frustrating to any individual, much less a, a commander of police, than to be tasked with something that he doesn't, he or she doesn't have the capability of doing. So push those resources into the district so they have the ability to respond. Then look at the way that that resources are spread amongst a, amongst all the CPD. The deployment in CPD is is not optimal to say the least. The way that the way that those eleven twelve thousand police officers are used, in in, in my opinion is ineffective, not inefficient, which causes it to be somewhat ineffective. Yeah. Are any CPD leaders in this first cohort? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know what, uh, I would like to see more because Chicago is dear, near and dear to me. What do you think, Chief Beck, of the uh, decision to install Fred Waller as um, interim superintendent? I mean, he's a self-described old school leader. Yeah, Fred's not only old school; he built the school. So, <laughs> I mean, he, he is uh, somebody that is that is well versed in CPD's past, and and I think 
that I completely understand the, the mayor's thinking process in the decision is that he was looking for somebody that would st- stabilize an unstable ship at this moment. Right now, uh, I think CPD is, um, has been suffering uh, because of uh, not only the, the, the lack of leadership but lack of direction, and I think Fred will, will help with that. Now, you know, uh, I'm, I'm very interested uh, in, in who will be the permanent superintendent because that's— Oh, we all are. Yeah, I know. <laughs> We're waiting. Because that is, you know, that will be the true change agent. I, right. And, and Fred, I think if you ask Fred, he would, he would self-admit that he's not a change agent. That's, yeah, I mean, we, I, I think we want to see what, what kind of police force Mayor Johnson is, is looking to build. Well, I'm, and I'm, yes, we are. And I'm pretty sure it's not the one he has. So, so it's going to be a change agent, no matter what. It's got to be somebody that, and it, a change agent can't just be somebody that envisions change. It has to be somebody that is has enough passion and the ability to maintain pressure to cause it. You know, changing a, a monolith like CPD is not easy. It takes not only force but consistency, and and consistency is really key. You know, you need a steady leader, mm-hmm. somebody who has a vision. Somebody that's able to push that vision into to others and to you know reward uh, effective uh, leadership, and you know that's what that's what CPD needs. They need a visionary. They need a strong person. They need somebody that is able to see where they need to go and push them there. You know, Chief Corey, both New York and LA, uh, they brought down their murder numbers much more than Chicago. Mm-hmm. For years now, New York has had fewer murders in Chicago, even though it's got triple the population. So what explains that? And what would Chicago need to do to see that? You know, so it's a couple things, and it's, a, and it's part of what we're teaching here in the Leadership Academy. And it's the most important one to me is using data, right? Using data to inform your decision-making. You know, Chief, Chief Beck spoke about the staffing, the deployment. That has to match when the crime is happening, when and where the crime is happening. You know, if, if your shootings are spiking at a certain hour on Friday nights, you need officers there on Friday nights. Um, you know, when we started, uh, you know, we experienced a uh, spike in post-pandemic violence in New York, just like just about every other city in the country. And we were able to reverse that in, in fairly short order, and it's still going down. We're not back to pre-pandemic levels in New York, but it is still on the way down. And that was by changing the way we... We did investigations, and that was by leveraging data better. So when we would get those shot spotter alerts, just because nobody was struck that time, eventually those bullets are going to start finding people. Yeah, That's a red flag. Something's going on in this neighborhood. And what I wanted to know was who's shooting at who. Because when I know who fired the first volley, I know where the next one is coming. And I can put officers there to prevent that from happening while the detectives do their investigation. Mm-hmm. Um the, the the clearance rates, and again, it all goes back to building trust with the community and, and believing that the police are going to be effective. Ho- the, the homicide clearance rate in Chicago over the last decade averages about 44%. Last year in L.A. it was 76%. In New York it was 78%. Right? Wow. And that's – so that goes to how you use data, how you use technology, how you deploy personnel on the prevention end, and then – Community policing. we got some work to do. You've got to get out there and engage with the community. Chief Beck, there's often this either-or narrative when it comes to policing, right? You either choose reform or aggressive policing. How do the reforms that you're describing just lead to better public safety overall? 
So first of all, that's a false choice. You know, you, I, I actually think that the techniques that properly reduce it, particularly the kind of violence Chicago has, also build trust in the, from the community. I think a community trusts a police department that is effective. They don't trust a police department that they see as ineffective. And when they see rampant violence on their streets, they, they do not believe in the effectiveness of the police department. So I, I think that these things are, are not exclusive. I think that, uh, that, uh, that the type of policing that, that we are envisioning and teaching here, where police respect their community, police work with their community, where they engage with the community and they, and they create a healthier community that is able to have what, what's termed community efficacy, where a community takes, the, that, to me, that's the ultimate goal. That's the yeah. holy grail of policing is to create community efficacy where a community takes responsibility for its own safety. Mm. And, you know, you can think of this very simply. Just think of this as, as grandma on the porch telling, keeping an eye on the neighborhood, right? Yeah. And, and it's the best neighborhood watch. The best neighborhood watch because not only, does it, not only is it a watch, but it is authority. It's community authority. A community, you know, all of this is a, to change behavior of, of our youth is not solely up to the policing. And that's pretty obvious to anybody that's raised any kids. You know that my my famous uh, uh, that I stole from somebody else. The dis- description of this is: you know, we're all fairly um, successful people that that didn't get in trouble. And was that because we were afraid of the police? No, no. it's because we were afraid of our mothers. That's <laughs> so true. <laughs> so, so th- the police are the wrong people to to force change on uh, in the communities that need it the most. You know, it has to be the community that that mm. takes charge of its safety now. In a in a place where that is really adrift in violence, that's very hard, you know. So so it has to be a team effort because the police have to restore enough safety that the community can take over and and push it the rest of the way so that they have long term safety. You know, New York Police Department, Chicago Police Department, L.A. Police Department, we can make any block safe, but you don't want to live there. Because who you know, I don't want to live on. A, right. I, I don't want my block having four cops on it. Mm. So the point is, Meaning your presence would have to be there. Yeah, at all that, times. That's how we make it. That's how we would make a block safe. Now, at a very simplistic level, but what we want is to create a block that generates its own safety through shared responsibility, through shared community. You know, when when the, when I talked about the. The community safety partnership that we instituted in Watts, one of the key parts of that was was the police and other people uh, being involved in community events, you know, fostering community events. Because events where you meet your neighbors um, can have a huge effect on public safety because as you meet people, you take responsibility for them. Right, you you start uh, understanding that that you are part of something bigger, you know, and I think that's often what happens, you know. I think part of the of the pandemic uh, explosion of violence was just that that mm. we we lost our sense of community, yeah, because we were all trapped inside. So, Rosanna, this academy it welcomed its first cohort earlier this week, yep. right? So far, so good. It's been uh, exceeded our wildest expectations. I Does mean, everybody just, who's there want to be there? Everybody who's there wants to be there. They're hungry for it. It's been so inspiring yeah. to hear from the the students, the the commanders who are there. The instructors are incredible. I'm, you know, our team 
uh, is just really moved by that. Uh, obviously, so this is week six, one, still a ways to go. Right, but, and, we, and we've got six months here, right? So, so give us the goal yeah. at the end of that six months. What's success going to look like to you? Yeah, so it's a week, a month in person, and then they go back to their home districts. We also want to make it feasible. I think too often some of these opportunities are more accessible to just to be gendered about it. Men in policing, because um, often um, the the women and families end up having a lot of the child care responsibilities. So we wanted to make this much more accessible and feasible for all people, whatever their home situation is, to be able to partake in it. So that's why we're doing a week, a month. Um, and the goal is to really see very immediate impacts in trust in the communities that these commanders are working in, in safety, um, and in, in, you know, just effectiveness. And, you know, as uh, Chief Beck said, we also are excited about the cohorts of the community violence intervention leaders also starting. They're starting in September. And the idea of really bringing these cohorts together, really kind of taking the those who are on the front lines that we've asked to shoulder the burden of um, the most immediate uh, addressing of gun violence in this country. It's the police leaders and it's community violence organizations. And in both cases, we have underinvested in their human capital. And to be able to push on both of those together, I think, really could have, you know, I think of this as a true moonshot effort yeah. to improve safety, justice, and fairness, um, and not in 10 years, but in the very immediate term. And that's why that's why these particular commanders were chosen, is because, not be, not necessarily because of who they are, but because of where they worked. You know, we, uh, Rosanna, asked for people from the most troubled districts in or, or commands mm-hmm. in each of the cities that are most impacted by homicides. And so we're getting people that, if they learn, will have an immediate impact on violent crime because that's their job. That. That's former LAPD Chief Charlie Beck, former NYPD Police Chief of Department Kenneth Corey, and the U Chicago Crime Lab's Rosanna Ander. All three were part of designing the program for the new Police Leadership Academy from U Chicago. Its first cohort starts this week. Thank you all so much for chatting with us.